This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we're celebrating the men's basketball team's 2-0 week, including a victory over number four nationally ranked Tufts. The squash teams win a combined 6-0 this week, heading into NESCAX, and a women's track and field star broke a 36-year-old Bates record. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The men's basketball team started the week off the right way by getting an 87-78 victory at Salem State on Wednesday behind 25 points from first-year Tom Coyne. Senior Marcus Del Pesh tallied 13 points and 13 rebounds in the win. Then on Saturday, the Bobcats welcomed number four nationally-ranked Tufts University to Alumni Gymnasium. Bates ended the first half up by eight, and with 11.58 to go in regulation, first-year Jeff Spellman gave them their biggest lead of the game. Spellman right wing. Spellman will just fire a three. Yes, sir! 61-43, Bates, they lead by 18! Marcus Del Pesh scored a game-high 28 points and pulled down a team-high 11 rebounds. Down low, Marcus Del Pesh in the lane. Marcus Del Pesh, and one. score it, and the foul! Meanwhile, senior Jerome Darling scored a career-high 21 points. Outside Darling, left wing three, Bang. got it! Jerome's hot too, he's been playing well all day. Nick Gilpin and Malcolm Del Pesh both contributed slam dunks that brought the alumni gym crowd to their feet. Stolen by Gilpin! Gilpin, throw it down! Here is Dayton, who had to lay off their last possession. Dayton will look to drive. Malcolm Del Pesh, the clean steal in transition, the alley oop! Oh! Throw it down! And they turn it over! Bates ball, and wow. the crowd going wild at Alumni Gymnasium. And Bates prevailed 84-72, earning their fourth NESCAC victory and handing the Jumbos their first NESCAC loss of the season. Head coach John Furbush was pleased with his Bobcats. I thought these guys executed the game plan to a T. I think we've shown that, you know, we've played some really good teams, but I think in a lot of cases we beat ourselves uh, in, in some of these games, and tonight we were able to fight those battles and come on the other side of the ball. And then how about Marcus with uh, 28 points today? It seemed like they had no answer for him in the lane. I did not know he had 28. <laughs> I mean, I guess it was kind of a loud 28, but uh, we, we knew coming in that they had a, a sort of an undersized four-man, and, and so we figured we'd have a little bit of a mismatch down low, and, and I thought that uh, we exploited that really well, and, and obviously he made some big plays for us, which uh, led to a victory. And Malcolm got in foul trouble, so how does a coach do you balance that? Well, when he gets in foul trouble, we have guys like Max Eaton and Quinn Leary. Quinn played great tonight, who are a much different, uh, you know, four or five. They can stretch the floor, they can shoot threes. So uh, I thought Quinn played great, Max played great in limited minutes, but, you know, I just think we're so versatile when we sub those guys in. And then the senior co-captain, Jerome Darling, certainly played like a captain tonight, didn't he? He sure did. He took the bull by the horn tonight and, and, and really was aggressive late in the game. You know, we had talked to him that, 
He's been a little passive lately in the last five minutes, and I said, listen, you're, you're a great player when you want to be, so don't don't play passive. Your game's aggressive. Be aggressive when it matters, and I thought he made some really big shots when it mattered. We've been talking on the broadcast about the importance of finishing half strong, especially the first half. It seems like you guys did that tonight. Yeah, it's about the first time we did that in like <laughs> 10 games, I think, but... You know, we try not to talk about things that we, you know, we don't intentionally do. You know, I think that it just was we didn't finish well in the first half of the last couple of games. But tonight, we valued the ball. We got good shots. We got stops. And, and, and really, I thought we should have been up, you know, a little bit more in the first half. But, you know, we'll take being up eight against those guys. Right, exactly. And then, I mean, what does this mean going forward um, in terms of the confidence for the team, you think? Well, I think that just verified our confidence. I think we, you know, we won the first three, then lost three in a row. We were, and, and it was like, are, are we good? You know, I think we needed that sort of signature win. We played some really good teams and haven't been able to beat, you know, a top 25 team. And, and today we did, and that just shows these guys you can compete with anybody when you want to. And so we're gonna, you know, have a big game on Tuesday, non-league against Farmington, and then we have a tough road trip at Amherst Trinity. And I think that we'll be, you know, ready for that. All right, coach. Thanks so much. Thank you, Aaron. Marcus Del Pesce's pair of double-doubles this past week earned him some hardware. Del Pesce was named the NASCAC Men's Basketball Player of the Week, and he was named a member of the D3Hoops.com Team of the Week. So it only makes sense that Marcus Del Pesce is our male Bobcat of the Week. Marcus, first of all, let's go back to the midweek game. You're at Salem State. You're coming off a couple tough NASCAC losses. What was the focus kind of leading into that Salem State game for you guys? Uh, definitely after we played Wesleyan, even though that wasn't the result that we wanted, we uh, we all like, talked about it. it was like that's probably the best we've played like since our, since we started that losing stretch. And we still, we knew that once we made a couple adjustments, then like, especially having a team against Salem State where like it's kind of like a trap game, but like if you play the way you want to, you get the result that you want. And so we knew that coming in that, hey, like we can get back on it. I mean, it's a lot of the rest of the season. We still have, our season's still in our destiny now, so. We just wanted to like come out, come out and play the way that we should, and we did. Yeah, got that victory, and then a few days later, you're, you know, take us through the preparation for Tufts, kind of after the Salem State game. What went into it? Uh, definitely after the Salem State, like, even, like, like I said, it was a trap game, and so being able to um, play, you able to play that team, and just knowing that we, as long as we like, minimize all the minor mistakes that we made in the Salem State game, I mean, like, like Tufts is a really, is a really good team. They have a lot of good shooters, a lot of good shooters, and there's a reason why they were, they were five and zero. In NESCAC. and so knowing that as long as we like eliminate all their all the threes that they that they t- typically take, we know that we have a great shot of beating them. And then on top of that, just like communicating on defense and making sure we run our offense all the way through. And I think we our coach really put an emphasis on that and just not like going with the first option all the time. Make sure we run our offense all the way through, and so that way, if, any, if they stop the first thing, we have like the second and the third and fourth option in our offense. Yeah, on defense, it looked like you and Malcolm were really. Uh, focus on you know disrupting their guys on the perimeter almost. Yeah, yeah. exactly. When we know like when we, when we play our, our third, played our thirteen um our zone our zone defense, then we know it's really effective because having me on top and key, top of the key and having Malcolm in the middle and, to the, and protecting the paint, it really just stops them from scoring inside. And then our guards are really active on the wings as well. So it's like this really it's really hard to score. Even though the zone offense is supposed to be typically for for defenses to try to shoot the ball, but the way we play it, we don't really give them a chance to shoot as well. Ryan, then offensively for you, 28 points. I mean, that's one shot of your career high. What really opened up for you on, on the court? Uh, honestly, it was like I will personally like last year playing against Tufts. I thought it was probably the worst, the worst game of my career. Uh, so I really was a big game. I wanted to like bounce back from that. Um, and also like my the guards and like Malcolm and Bell like put me in position to score. Whether it was like doing a high low and just like knowing if I get the ball in the post and seeing I have a mismatch, just being able to do to be able to operate. And then whenever they try to double down, I always can kick it out to people like Jerome Hummel, like all of our guards can shoot. So just like it really put them in a tough spot. And then because like they didn't know what to do, it also allowed me to like 
operate the, operate the best way I can. I want to ask you about the Nick Gilpin steal and dunk. I feel like that was like one moment we realized we're like, oh yeah, this is this is happening. Yeah, he <laughs> that dunk. I was like, I was that really just like got me like so pumped. Like especially like he's like a he's like what like a six foot guard. So like just seeing that and like seeing that athletic display, it's awesome. And then that was followed up by Malcolm getting a lot the lob the lob and the hammer like. Our team is so athletic this year, and it's really exciting. And those are types; those seeing that type of thing happen on a consistent basis that breaks the defense, that breaks the team that we're playing against, and it's really like exciting for us, us to watch and like be a part of. And it seems like the guards; it's a different guy every night. I mean, you had Salem State, Tom Coyne had 25 points, but Drum had none, and then and then on Saturday, Drum had 21. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of almost reverse role. Yeah, it's like. We the biggest thing about this year, which I really like, is that we don't have one person. We're not like relying on one person to score twenty like twenty plus points per game. Because I feel like we do like granted like in some systems it will it will work, but the fact that there's you can't like like play off anyone like when you're playing us, I think it really gives it gives uh the it gives our opposite our opposition a tough matchup because you can't just say like hey I'm just if you take away. The twins, then they can't they can't score. Or if you, if you take away Jerome, you can't score. Take away Coin, Gilpin, like anyone, you can't just focus on one person. The fact that anyone can go off, like me and Jerome both went off for twenty. Like, it really, it, you, it's really hard to like stop a team like that. Absolutely. Now this week, back on the road, two tough road matchups. You got Amherst, you've got Trinity. I know those teams have been tough opponents in the past. What are you guys going to be focusing on practice? You think? Uh, well, we had to we had to get through um, um, Humane Farmington first. Oh, right. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Don't want to look too far ahead. Yeah. yeah exactly. You're right. Well, Humane like, Farmington Tuesday night. We know we have uh, that's following that game. Like, the Humane Farmington will be a trap game, obviously. Yeah. But like after this like, week, and we know that uh, we're gonna focus on on Amherst first because we play them. But like we definitely wanna, we definitely personally, I really want to beat Trinity, um, Amherst too because we we haven't beat them ever. I don't think. And I think especially, like, it'll be, like, a really good matchup. And the fact if we can, like, beat those teams, I think that will just, like, kind of just really hammer in that we're not messing around this year. But uh, don't want to think too far ahead. But I'm right. really, I am really am looking forward to this weekend. But that midweek non-conference game does help, I think, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, definitely, like, I think the plan is just, like, to make sure – those are the types of games where you want to make sure – you want to, like, make sure you're focusing on the little things. So, like, obviously, like, we're expected to win on paper. But um, those are also the type of games because we're just because you're playing against a team like that, you may think, okay, we can like relax, and we have, we'll have to make sure that we ha- keep the mindset of it doesn't matter who we're playing, we have to play at 100% the whole time, and make sure we're like if we need to like clean up our offense, play if they're playing if they want to play really aggressive, we have to be able to play through and run our offense anyway, and not just like try to take the easy shots. And so I think this is a game that's definitely going to be able to be a time for us to um, practice on getting better. So leading into this weekend, if we can have some good carryover like we had this weekend, I think we'll be great, great spot. All right, well, Marcus Delpesh, congrats again on being our Mail Bobcat of the Week. Thanks so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. The women's track and field team competed at the John Thomas Terrier Classic on Friday, and senior captain Allison Hill broke the program's 36-year-old indoor 200-meter dash record with a time of 25.45 seconds. She also ran the second-best time of her career in the 60-meter hurdles, an event where she already owns the program record. For her continued excellence, Allison Hill is our female Bobcat of the Week. Joined by our female Bobcat of the Week, Allie Hill, here on the Bobcast, talking about uh, the meet down at BU, a, a big meet with lots of runners. I know you've been there before. What's that environment typically like? Uh, it's definitely a lot different than most meets we've been to because there's usually five or six teams, and they're all pretty small, whereas 
Um, BU is just a bunch of teams. I'm not sure how many, probably 50 or so teams, and they bring kind of their top athletes and it's all divisions. So like Harvard, Dartmouth, and even some teams from Florida were there, Florida Atlantic. So that was really interesting to go against. But it's just a different environment. The crowd's really big, and there's even professional runners there. So it's really it's really intense, and it's definitely um, something we always look forward to. And the reason why you're a female Bobcat of the Week is you broke the Bates record in the 200-meter dash. When did you find out you'd broken the record? Was it much later, or did you know right away? Uh, yeah, I actually didn't know until probably when I went to go see my coach about maybe 30 or so minutes after my race. Um, she kind of posted an Instagram on the page saying that I broke the record. Um, and it was, I was really excited because I had no idea that, uh, I knew it was a fast time, but I didn't know it was fast enough to break the record. So that was really exciting. And it's definitely the fastest I've run the 200 in. So that was good because it's, uh, we're still early in the season. So I'm hoping to do better after that. Ryan, uh, what was your reaction when you found out you'd broken the record? I was really excited. I was at first I was surprised because and I looked, but they, she told me it was hand times. The and I then I got the conversion. But um, yeah, I was super excited. Just uh, always great to add my name to the record books and leave a legacy for Bates. And it sounds like the 60 meter hurdles went really well, also, right? Yeah, it was a really good race for me. It was my point oh two off my best time, um, and there's definitely some elbows in there so we think <laughs> that was an interesting race but it was yeah it was really fast and um I did make it to the finals but like I said before they kind of they canceled the finals so that would have been a really exciting race to do but hopefully I'll get an opportunity to do that again and um run that time you mentioned some elbows in there what is that like a, a couple bumped into some people or? yeah well I've sometimes in my race I swerve a little bit in my lane and also other girls do too so right at the finish line I think our arms got uh, tussled a little bit, which is normal, but um, yeah, I don't know if it affected my time, but probably not that much, but she was, uh, the girl next to me was from Florida, so that was really cool that they came all the way to Boston to compete, so that was really fun. And obviously, the team sent a small group down to, um, to beat you, and so what's that like to be in that small group going down to a meet? Right, uh, it's awesome because it's where this group is really wants to get a good time we she brings down a group that um, wants the competition and really think can thrive off the bank track and get a good time off that and hopefully propel us um into the season so uh, it's great we go down in a little van and we all get pumped up together and it's great because we're all in different events and you get to watch everyone and see them compete with uh, the top d1 athletes Great, and then what's next for the women's track and field team? Uh, so this weekend is our, probably one of our biggest meets of the season. We have the State of Maine Championship. Um, right now we're at three-peat, so hopefully we can go for that fourth one, especially my senior year. That would be awesome and keep the cup. So uh, that's at USM, and that's going to be really interesting. Um, also, they ran a 55 instead of a 60-meter dash, so oh. uh, that will be a conversion rate, but that, I haven't run that since freshman year, so I think that will be kind of fun to try something else. But uh, I think our team's looking really really good for this meet and hopefully we'll show up the state of Maine. Yeah, have you talked to like the younger athletes maybe like the first years about how important it is to win that state title? Yeah, we definitely keep mentioning it. We're saying like we're gonna, you're going to be in a lot of events this week because it's all usually the uh, meets are about individual races and which they, this meet still will be about but this is definitely a team we want um, our team to do well. So I think they know that the the stakes are high in this, and I think during practice we'll definitely uh, show them that. 
and they'll be ready for the weekend. Yeah, it's always interesting because, like, as you mentioned, most meets it's about, okay, can our individuals maybe, like, do some PRs and just mm -hmm. look for those individual performances. But I know Coach Jay, like, this is one, like, she really wants to, like, win. Right, <laughs> yeah. This is where you actually have a trophy, and it's good bragging rights. So this is where she kind of uh, – puts everyone with a lot of events, maybe three or four, whereas most people might do like two in a meet. Um, and so this is where you just got to grind and where all your training comes together because it's, it'll be a long meet, but and it's at night, Friday night, so it's kind of a dip, different time than we're used to. So um, definitely taking that into consideration. But uh, yeah, so this is all about PRs, but also about team, um, how we do the team. All right, looking forward to it. Allie Hill, our female Bobcat of the Week. Thanks so much. Thank you. Meanwhile, in men's track and field, junior Adedire Fakaridi moved into second place on the national performance list this season with his season-best weight throw effort of 60 feet, one inch. Fakaridi also had a personal best indoor shot put mark of 47 feet, 10.5 inches. Both track and field teams are gearing up for the main state indoor championships this weekend, and we'll have full coverage of the results next week on the Bobcast. Meanwhile, the men's and women's squash teams prepared for the NESCAC championships by going to combine 6-0 this past week. The men and women visited Colby on Wednesday with the men winning 8-1 and the women winning 7-2. Then on Saturday, the women welcomed Wellesley to the Bait Squash Center and won 8-1 while the men beat MIT 9-0. We caught up with junior men's captain Ani Nambiar after the match. A nice 9 nothing win today for the men's squash team over MIT. First of all, how nice it would be back home after, you know, a few road matches there? Uh, it's actually pretty great. I really miss the courts every time we go over, uh, outside. I had a loss against Colby midweek, and I just wasn't used to the court there. So playing over here was a really welcome change. I know this year you're playing, you know, pretty high up the ladder there, about number four, essentially. So what's that like to have, you know, play uh, other teams, you know, pretty good players every, every single week? Uh, yeah, I'm still uh, getting used to it, I guess, because... I've never, I didn't play this high last year, and freshman year I wasn't even in the lineup. So it's been a great change. It's tough every week. I'm recovering from an injury, and uh, I'm struggling a little bit. But I'm finding my feet now, and hopefully going into NESCAC and Nationals, I should be catching a couple of Ws. So what is it like to play through an injury like you're doing? Uh, it's tough mentally more than physically. Uh, I feel physically I'm pretty steady uh, right now, even though I've got fairly uh, questionable, questionably skinny legs. But... Uh, <laughs> I think the mental block while thinking about making a lunge and then actually lunging prevents me from actually going to the ball at times, and that really hampers my movement and my performance on court. But I think playing with uh, everyone right now is really helping me out. And then you, I mean, it's interesting, I do some videos, and you do some videos as well for the squash team. How do you get into video production? Uh, I, I don't know, actually. I, I watch a lot of uh, videos, like soccer videos and stuff like that online. And I always wondered, it'd be cool if Bait Squash could do something like that. I saw Pat made a video about us about five years ago. And that was a, I, I don't know the words to describe it. It was like an iMovie. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a slideshow. And, uh, That'd be nice. Yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, you can see the effort that went into it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I thought it'd be really cool to come up with a video. You definitely helped me out with a couple of high quality, with a lot of high quality footage which I don't have the equipment for. Um, but yeah, the video came out pretty well and always been fairly decent with computers, so it was a good change. You're taking on some sort of a leadership role here as one of the captains, is that correct? Uh, yeah, I try to mentor all the kids when I can. Um, and 
I don't know. People come to me with various issues, uh, whatever they're dealing with, and I try to get them through that momentarily. And it's been a little harder because I've been out of the squash for a little bit because of the injury. But I think I've done a fairly decent job so far. Last home match of the year tomorrow. What are you thinking? Uh, relieved a little <laughs> bit. Uh, kind of sad that I'm approaching my senior year now. Uh, I don't want to leave. And uh, I think going into the final home match, I think everyone should perform uh, really well. And, yeah, I'm excited. All right, Annie, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. On Sunday, in their final home matches of the season, the men and women defeated the visiting Tufts University Jumbos, with the men winning 9 nothing and the women winning 7-2. Senior co-captain Emma Dunn picked up the clinching victory for the Bobcats. Well, first of all, your last home match of your career, what were your feelings coming into it, and what was it like to get the clinching victory for the team? Uh, to be honest, I was really tired. I mean, yesterday was so crazy for us, like not knowing when we were going to play and having the match change. And a lot of us were kind of feeling like that was going to happen today. But luckily that wasn't the case. And so I think the calmness of the whole day kind of really helped. And so we felt at ease coming into this game. Yeah, how was the team able to stay focused yesterday after all the chaos about start times? Um, you know, it, you always tend to have to take a second to collect yourself. But... Um, no, I think everybody did a great job, and like we just came through in the end, and that's all that matters. So when you were walking off the court after getting the victory, what were you going through your head? Just kind of relief that, you're, that you got the win, or like, and or looking forward to the next match? Uh, it's kind of surreal. Yeah. Like I didn't really think this day would come. Whereas the entire season, I'm like, oh, I'm ready for retirement. Like <laughs> I'm ready to sit down and enjoy the rest of senior year. But I just feel nothing but happiness right now, and I'm so honored to be on this team with these incredible women who have helped support me and helped me finish out my senior year in a strong way. So what are your thoughts going to NESCAC? So what's going to be the key to success, you think? Uh, just dominate. Like, we need to go strong from the get-go, and I know that we can do it because we just beat Amherst, and I don't see it being a problem again. I mean, everybody's feeling confident, regardless of sickness and injuries. We know we can do it, so. All right, Emma, thanks so much. Thank you. It's been an up-and-down year for senior Darius Campbell. But he was all smiles after the men's squash team clinched the number two seed in the NASCAC championships. Well, Darius, your last home match as a Bobcat, what was going through your mind throughout the day? Um, well, literally throughout the day, um, I was really just focusing on winning this match. Like, I haven't had the strongest season um, this far in terms of results. So um, I was just really focusing on getting a W for the team and trying to play my best squash because I know this weekend coming for NESCACs is going to be um, pretty big for the team. So I want to be one of the five or six or whatever to get that W. Sure, absolutely. And you've been playing at two, you've been playing at three this year. What's it been like kind of playing at both uh, throughout the season? Well, when I was playing two, like because we were playing harder teams, the matches were definitely harder. And now because it's towards the end of the season, the matches weren't as hard um, playing three. But I definitely think that um, if I was playing tougher matches at uh, three, um, it would literally be the same thing. I would be in the same mindset, um, you know, just trying to play my best squash and be the best person I can be on court and off of court and be there for my teammates. Obviously, a lot of season remains for the squash teams, but Emma was talking about how when she walked off the court, it was kind of a little, a little bit surreal because like, it's the last like, match here in the squash. What were you going through your mind? Um, no, it's pretty real. Like I, I feel like um, I've done my time here, and um, I'm 
sad to see the guys, uh, or I guess I'm sad to be ending my squash career. Uh, but I definitely think that, like, because I've been with the team for so long and um, I've put, like, my best foot forward in most of my matches, I feel like um, I'm leaving, like, in a good place and I'm okay with, you know, the way things played out. Team's on a roll right now. Yes. The men's squash team, eight, eight straight wins mm -hmm. going to the NESCAC tournament. And last year, you guys advanced to the finals of the NESCAC tournament. Mm -hmm. You have a lot of uh, confidence after what happened last year. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, it's crazy. Like, I honestly did not expect this at all. Um, and I think it just has to do a lot with, like, the team dynamic. Um, this year, like, people really, really want to win. They And they want to win for each other, which is really important. It's not this, like... Like, sometimes there's this debate that, like, is squash individual or is right. it a team sport, whatever. People are actually playing for each other, and um, it was that way last year towards the end. So I feel like um, that's what's going to guide us and get us through NESCAC. Um, that's going to get, I, I believe, we're going to be in the finals, and I believe a lot of people are going to have um, great matches against Trinity and hopefully take matches because um, we want to win for each other. You know, and I'm just excited. Like, I can't wait to play those matches. I can't wait to be around the guys mostly. I think it's going to be great. All right, Darius, thanks so much. Yeah. for looking forward to the rest of the year. Yeah. Thank you so much. The Alpine and Nordic skiing teams combined to finish eighth out of 16 teams at the UNH Carnival over the weekend. The women's Alpine team continued to excel in the giant slalom, finishing third out of 13 teams, with senior Kelsey Chenoweth coming in fifth individually matching her career-best finish. In Nordic skiing, senior Laurel Fiddler matched her career-best carnival finish by finishing 11th out of 100 racers in the women's 15K freestyle race. This came on the heels of her team-leading 16th-place finish in the women's 5K classical technique race the day before. Fiddler is making a big impact in her senior year as a bobcat. She's got quite the family history, too. Her mother, Nancy, was an All-American Nordic skier at Bates, and an Olympian as well. It's really just been about having fun for me this year and really taking the pressure off. My main goal this season has been to just have a blast while doing this thing, and it's really rewarding to see that that's paying off and I'm actually having some great results out there. Now your mom, Nancy, went to Bates and was an All-American here at Bates. Um, so you, what was it like growing up in that world of Nordic skiing? Um, Nordic skiing has always been a part of my life since I was about two years old when I first got on Nordic skis. And luckily my parents really allowed me to try a lot of different activities before I really chose Nordic skiing as my passion. But my mom has certainly been a huge influence on my life and my ski career. She was my coach for many years and has just been a wonderful support while I've been here at Bates. She comes out every year with my dad to watch me race for one race, which is just wonderful and yeah it's always been something I've been able to do with her and it's really fun for both of us. Have you ever talked much with her about how Bates Nordic skiing has changed since the time she was here? Yeah it's <laughs> changed quite a bit. Um, definitely a lot more commitment now than she had. Um, one area is fall training. We start training right when we get back to school. We do a month with just the team captains and then we do Starting in October, we get our coaches back, and we start going full throttle. And my mom was at Bates. Fall training wasn't really even a thing. She just got on skis when it was wintertime, and that's how they did it. 
Um, so things have changed a lot. Um, and I think there's just a lot more dedication on the team now than when she was on it. But certainly one thing that hasn't changed is how much fun we both had while on the Bates team. Like, my mom went to two Olympics and was on the national team, and she still says that skiing for Bates was the most fun she had Nordic skiing. So and it certainly has been for me as well. Great. Yeah, what's it like? What's the dynamic like with your teammates? Obviously, it's a, a smallish team, but not, mm-hmm. you know, not too small. We have about 20 people on our team right now, and really they're my family at Bates. They're all my best friends, and even out of season, we all still hang out together and do stuff together related and not related to skiing. So, it's really a great community to be a part of and people on campus definitely look at the Nordic team and admire our dedication and the individuals who are on the team and we really push each other and support each other and I feel very lucky to be a part of such a wonderful community. Yeah, skiing is always interesting for Nordic and Alpine because you're practicing obviously off campus a lot. Uh, What's that like? Um, It's great. In the fall, we go to a lot of different places. We have a fall camp over October break in Rangeley, Maine. We also go to Acadia for a weekend. Over Thanksgiving break, we go to Canada to ski. So during the fall, we're really all over the place, which is really fun to get off campus with the team. And in the winter, we're going to Pineland Farms to practice every day while we're at school. And then every weekend, we're traveling, which is really hectic and crazy but also really fun and a great opportunity to get off campus and then what's Becky like as a head coach um when I first came in as a junior in high school touring colleges I came and had me with Becky and it ended up being two hours long um just talking she was so easy to talk to and I immediately knew that I wanted to go to Bates after my meeting with her I love the school but Becky really made the decision for me as a coach um, she's sort of like all of our second moms at at Bates, and she's um, really been a wonderful support through all four of my years and really cares about our athletes. We're also very lucky to have our assistant coach, James Upham. He's very qualified and brings a lot to our team. So when you were touring colleges, I mean, obviously your mom went here, so you you knew very much about Bates, but was it kind of a tough decision initially? Well, I initially didn't even want to look at Bates. (laughs) I I told my parents, I was like, I'm not going to look there. I don't want to look. And I was looking at every other school, and my parents were like, you have to just look at it. Just look at it. Have a meeting with Becky. And I did. And initially, it was kind of a choice between Middlebury and Bates, but I really knew that Bates was it the second I stepped on campus. I um, visited during short term so of course everyone was outside playing frisbee and I was like wow this really seems like a fun place to go to school <laughs> um, yeah I mean it was a tough decision but I knew I wanted to be in the east I'm originally from California so it was a long way from home but I really knew that I wanted to be in the east for the schools and also for my skiing and Bates was just a perfect fit for me so as a senior, are you thinking about post-college plans yet? <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> That's a weighted question. Um, I am starting to think about post-college plans. I really am finding it hard to imagine myself not still being in the ski world. And it's had such a huge influence on how I've developed as a person and the community I surround myself with. So I'm really looking into ski coaching options and careers for after college so I'm hoping that 
an opportunity arises for me to do that. I've spent my past two summers being my mom's assistant coach and have found it extremely rewarding, not only for my own scheme, but also for giving back to a community and a sport that's given so much to my life. So I hope to do that for others. Great. Well, Laurel, congrats again so far on the great season. We're looking forward to the rest of the year for the Newark Scheme Team. Thank you very much. The swimming and diving teams got a tune-up for the NESCAC championships at the WPI Invitational this past Sunday, with the men finishing second out of four teams and the women finishing third. The women's basketball team lost at number one Tufts this weekend, but they finally get to return home this week. The Bobcats take on Maine Farmington on Tuesday before welcoming Amherst to town on Friday and Trinity on Saturday. After a Tuesday home game with Maine Farmington, the men's basketball team hits the road for a weekend contest with Amherst and Trinity. The squash teams compete in the NESCAC championships this week at Amherst, and the track and field teams look to win the Maine State Championship. Meanwhile, the skiing teams head to the UVM Carnival. We'll recap it all next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates, 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 Bates.